In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The great English priest and spiritual writer, Monsignor Ronald Knox, once noted that the parable of the Good Samaritan has a moral significance so fruitful and so obvious that it is easy to suppose it was intended solely to answer the question, who is my neighbor? But it has been the continuous tradition of the church from very early times that the story has a further theological significance and that the Samaritan is also a figure of our Lord himself. According to the teaching of the church fathers, the man who fell among robbers represents human nature as it was left to us after the fall of Adam and Eve. We had been robbed of the supernatural gifts of original justice and grace and wounded in our ability to love God and one another. Like the poor traveler lying by the side of the road, we were hurt and unable to help ourselves. In this understanding, the priest and the Levite who pass by the traveler represent the inadequacy of the ancient Jewish religion to reconcile sinful humanity to God. For centuries, the sacrifices of the Old Covenant, the blood of bulls and calves and goats and birds, had continued in vain. Human nature still lay hurt and dying, powerless to achieve its own recovery. Who then does come to the aid of the wounded man? A Samaritan, a stranger. Who stoops to raise and restore human nature, undone by Adam's fault? the very God Adam offended, the very God whom we ourselves have defied and set at naught and tried, if only it were possible, to shut altogether out of our lives and out of our thoughts. There was no claim humanity could make on God's mercy. Through our own fault, we had become estranged from God. And yet, as St. John tells us, in this, the love of God is made manifest, not that we love him, but that he first loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God did not send an angel to help us. He himself became a human being. He emptied himself of his divinity and became a stranger in our world. The Jews looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, but they did not understand that the Messiah was to be God made man. And yet God is a stranger in the world he himself made. He came into his world and found only a stable for shelter. He dwelt in the world as he would have us dwell in it, not as a home, but as the way toward home, a place of pilgrimage. What would have become of the poor Jew if the Samaritan had stayed home? What would have become of our poor souls if the Son of God had not been made flesh and dwelt among us? The Samaritan bound up the traveler's wounds, pouring in oil and wine. So too our Lord Jesus Christ bestowed upon our weak nature the healing influence of his divinity. And even more wonderfully, he gave us to drink of the chalice of his most precious blood. In the Incarnation, we are made partakers of divine nature. And in the Eucharist, we are nourished by the very lifeblood of God. 
And finally, the Samaritan brought the wounded man to an inn to be cared for. And what is that inn but the Holy Catholic Church, which our Lord, in his great kindness, left behind for us? The church is the inn, the temporary resting place, in which our souls find shelter from the storms of this transitory world. What restoration and healing we experience through the use of the sacraments. What refreshment the church gives us as we feed upon the body and blood of Christ. What company the church provides as we are joined together in holy fellowship with all God's chosen people in this world and in the world to come. What rest for sin-worn consciences as scruples and doubts and fears are assuaged by the sacrament of absolution. Like the wounded traveler, we are convalescents, recovering by degrees from the terrible blows of sin until the good Lord calls us and leads us to our eternal home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.